Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4010 of the Bugle. I'm Andy Zoltzman, and hang your stockings on your reindeer antlers and book a midwife for your manger. This is the Bugle 2016 Christmas Special. Uh, you can, uh, if you're not into Christmas, you can double this episode off for Hanukkah, Diwali, Saturnalia, Yule, the Sales, an ancient festival in which financial discounts are offered for stuff no one really wants. It's a, sorry, sales, I mispronounced that. And uh, Newton Mass, a celebration of the birth of alleged physics messiah Isaac Newton, who was born on the 25th of December 1642. Newton, of course, was the only one of quintuplets to reach adulthood with his faculties intact, his siblings having all been rendered insensible by their Uncle Tony's well-meaning but badly designed five-baby cradle, which resulted in them all repeatedly smashing their heads together while sleeping. <laughs> Newton's uh, big miracle, of course, was to make an apple fall out of a tree, which doesn't really stack up against his uh, 25th of December rival, Jesus Christ, who turned a few bottles of supermarket mineral water into enough wine to get a herd of elephants absolutely smashed. Anyway, that's by the by. This is a record-breaking Bugle Christmas specialist year, because whilst we have done Christmas shows in the past, this year... We are breaking the Bugle record for most Jews in a Bugle Christmas show. It was one, now it is two, because I'm joined for this year's Christmas special by someone with whom I first spent Christmas 36 years ago in 1980. Back then, of course, she was pinned to the top of our family Christmas tree. British tradition with babies, of course. Uh, Mostly saying wah, 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 complaining about people's grammar, I think. It is the one and only Helen Zaltzman. Hello, Andy. Hello, Helen. Do you remember being uh, nailed to the top of a Christmas tree? You're probably too young. Yeah, uh, well, also, um, I was kept sedated until I was in yeah. my teens. <laughs> until you are in your teens? Yeah, well, better that way. <laughs> Such a docile That's child. The traditional British way of dealing with daughters. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else are they going to do for those years? <laughs> Useless. So are you looking forward to Christmas? I am, Andy, I am. Um, because uh, I'm really stringing it out this year. I'm having three separate Christmases. Yes, you are, now we 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 are recording. We are pre-recording this on Zoltzman Christmas Eve. Zoltzman Christmas Eve, because you're fleeing to America. Yeah, screw you guys. Um, <laughs> I'm putting five thousand miles between me and the family. We're having a preemptive uh, preemptive Christmas. It's traditional in Judaism. Yes, to uh, beat the rush. <laughs> and I've already had one with my in-laws, and my father-in-law does a lot of gigs as Santa. Right. He's been growing out his beard since July. It's very fluffy. Oh, his own beard. Is he, oh, yeah. That's good. That's good commitment. He well, he look, he looks so exactly like Santa that I think he probably is the real one. Right. Not just an ambassador. And the greatest gift he gave you was uh, was a husband. What more could you want? Was he in a stocking when you first met him? I don't think he was wearing stockings. Right. Didn't check. Okay. Big features coming up later on in this week's world-exclusive Christmas show, Santa Flaws, with hostility to the economic elite growing by the year and amidst increasing evidence that Father Christmas gives better, more expensive presents to children with rich parents and allegations of illegal workplace labour practices and dodgy offshoring. Is Santa PLC showing signs of strain? Also, manger danger. Why trying to give your baby the perfect Christmas-style birth is a health and safety nightmare. We give you the top tips on how to keep sheep away from the birthing area and how to stop an ox from doing an off-putting shit next to your midwife. And quiz math shocking. Does letting kids have time off school over the winter break mean they're more likely to fail mathematics exams the following summer? The Bugle investigates. 
Also, as always, a section of the Bugle is going straight in the bin. This week, a build-your-own audio nativity scene. To get you started, here are some animal noises. <laughs> uh, now, to continue your audio nativity scene, here is the Angel Gabriel. And outy pops, folks. This is the big one. Now, uh, here is uh, your Mary, of course, the woman who put the ma into Chris Mars. Can everyone get out the manger, please? I want some skin-to-skin time with my baby so we can bond. Just standing next to her, Joseph. Not my kid. Not my problem. And now, <laughs> the, the the three wise men. Uh, it's gold. I guess it is a bit unimaginative. Uh, what you're saying, baby clothes or a pram would have been more use. Uh, sorry, they were clean out of Lego. That baby looks like a 25-year-old man. <laughs> There's one for fans. Renaissance. <laughs> <laughs> The shepherds. Come by, come by. Eli, there's a fucking baby in that manger. Yeah, Samuel, I told you about that. Son of God, that one. The fucking uh, son of God. It's the one the angel told me about. Save your kid. And to complete the picture, the owner of the inn. Yeah, I've shuffled things around. You can have room eight. Hang on, are you going to clean up that fucking mess? It looks like a crime scene. There you go. The bugle build your own audio nativity scene. Would it? Is it a waste of time to ask where that was set? <laughs> Christmas, Helen. I mean, it's uh, one of the most prominent times of year of the year. Um, and people always talk about, you know, good Christmas or a bad Christmas. Any any Christmases that really stand out for you as particularly good or bad? Best Christmas ever or worst Christmas ever? Well, there was that Christmas, thinking about 1995, where you and Dad were having an argument where you posited that sport is a distillation of war. And Dad said, no, 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 maybe war is a distillation of sport. (laughs) And this is still going on. Oh, right, okay. Well, I don't think humanity's ever fully fully come to terms with that that (laughs) philosophical debate. In terms of worst Christmas ever, there are a number of pretty impressive candidates from history. In particular, Christmas 1317, from the point of view of Duke Valdemar and Duke Eric of Sweden, uh, at the New Shopping Banquet, and I've no idea if I pronounced that right, uh, King Berger of Sweden was holding his uh, Christmas celebration on the 11th of December, 1317, uh, getting it in early, at uh, New Shopping Castle in Sweden. And amongst the guests were his two brothers, Valdemar and Eric. Later that night, he kidnapped and imprisoned them and subsequently starved them to death in the dungeon of the castle, can you find anything to beat that as worst Christmas ever? That's a classic Christmas jape. I mean, There's a lot of sibling rivalry at Christmas. That when it really comes out, it really puts the strain on families. But that I believe is taking is taking it too far, kidnapping and starving your siblings to death. I think uh, I was quite lucky not to be imprisoned and starved to death uh, by you or our brother. Any not for, family not for, Christmas, not for want of trying. Let me tell you that it's because Dad wouldn't let us in the cellar, and we didn't have another dungeon. I tell you who else had a bad Christmas: Emperor Leo the Fifth. Um, in 1820, he was assassinated in Constantinople. Um, he was attending a matin service when a group of assassins disguised as monks threw Aww. off their robes and drew their weapons. They threw off their robes? Did yep. they really do that, or is that you're just dramatising it as if it's diehard or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's on the internet, Helen, so it must be a fact. Sure, yeah, yeah. That's the world we live in now. Uh, what were they assassinating him for? Did he uh, choose the wrong well, set menu at the uh, uh, 
Christmas dinner? That is possible. Uh, I mean, it was a, a bit of a dispute over who should be uh, running the gaff. But to make it an even worse Christmas than just being assassinated, uh, the uh, assassin assassinators uh, then uh, got hold of his four sons and castrated them all oh. to end the family line. That is a bad Christmas. Is it because uh, they did not want to have nieces and nephews? Oh, well, I guess, I mean, it can spiral out of control, doesn't it? And it gets expensive at Christmas. Yeah. Because kids are really capitalist and greedy. An- another fascinating historical Christmas event, 1826, the Eggnog Riot at the United <laughs> States Military Academy. Because <laughs> people finally realised that eggnog is disgusting. <laughs> well, apparently it concluded... We want Baileys! <laughs> we want Baileys! It concluded on Christmas Day, 1826, having begun the previous evening. That's a long time to be rioting about eggnog. It's really gross. <laughs> Maybe they overheated it, so it's basically scrambled egg with booze in it. That's the risky run. Well, you can understand why a lot of uh, military students might. Um, also known as the Grog Mutiny, hmm. um, apparently at West Point in uh, in New York. How has no one made a film of this? I don't know. That I mean, that appears to be a a slice. I mean, you could probably drag that over over eight series of decreasingly interesting <laughs> television, as tends to be the case nowadays. Maybe it's because there'll be a lot of white fluid sloshing around on screen and um, it's hard to get that past the censors sometimes. Resulted in a load of court-martials. which Really? When you're getting court-martialed over eggnog, that's... that's Choose a different enemy than, <laughs> than the eggnog. Just don't drink it, it's fine. Um, good Christmas, 1914. Uh, not so good either side of it, but the famous football match in no man's lands between uh, Britain and and uh, Germany FC. Um, Who won? I don't know. Chris, you're a, you're a football fan. Do you know yeah. uh, what the final score was in that? There is no documentation of any outcome or how many outbreaks of this game that there were across the uh, front. Yeah, whether it was just uh, a five-a-side or whether it was all of the soldiers. We don't even know how they interpreted the offside rule. Right. Well, you, you say that. I mean, we have another delve into the uh, British National Sound Archives now from the special... Christmas Day 1914 edition of the football phone in 606. <laughs> you do know I used to produce this show. Alan, uh, yeah, it's uh, David. Uh, I just wanted to say, I thought the referee was absolutely appalling today. He let the Germans get away with murder out there. Which, absolutely, I thought the boys put up a good effort and uh, we were really, really let down by the officials. Awful. And there was Bob Ware on the pitch as well. I think um, this episode is really uh, showing siblings in a bad light because um, I got to thinking about Good King Wenceslas, you know, the carol that no one has ever reached the end of because it's so long and how, slow. How long is it? Uh, I think it's about 70 years long, but no one has ever got past gathering winter fuel. Oh, I, I only get as far as Good King Wenceslas looked out. So I assume we'd the best been bit. pinned with a close LBW decision <laughs> that was then not given by the umpire. There's one for cricket fans. And Buglers, if you are a cricket fan, do try to spread the sporting jargon, the Wenceslas, for a close but refused leg before wicket decision. I really hope this happens for you, Andy. Yeah, I'm I know. Really... You don't seem to care about this, Helen. It's, it's very much a one-man crusade, you're getting s- the Wenceslas so-called. You're such a disappointment. Uh... Just do him a favour, please. <laughs> then we don't have to hear about it. Um, but I was wondering why he was considered so good. And um, I found out that it was because he was considered so dead. 
Um, <laughs> he was um, he, brothers. Brothers are getting a very bad rap in this, so um, you know, take that what you will. He was stabbed to death by three of his brother's friends. Then his brother Boleslav finished him off with a lance. <laughs> as if three stabbers is not enough. Right. You've got to kebab him as well. Was this at Christmas or not? Uh, no, I think it was right. in September, although uh, some people estimate that as when Christ would have really been born anyway, judging by uh, census data. What? and yeah. But then if you go by when shepherds would have been tending their flocks outside, it's more likely Jesus was born in April. This is a kind of... Definitely not December, though. Jewish nonsense I feared when I invited you onto this show, Helen. <laughs> <laughs> He was born on the 25th of December. Sure. And that is why Santa Claus comes on the 25th as the earthly representative of Jesus. Um, they so, even got the same beard. Carry on. Uh, so, so, and then um, Boleslav, the murdering brother with the lance, his son was born on the day that um, Wenceslas was murdered. And so they named him... <laughs> one in, one out. <laughs> they named him Stratkvas, uh, which means a dreadful feast. <laughs> So about as close as uh, I murdered your uncle on your birthday <laughs> as you can get. That's a classic uh, Dolly Parton song, isn't it? Country is very birthday. very yeah. moving. Um, so yeah, it, uh, I think he was... Um, and, and then in the carol, it's the Feast of Stephen, which is um, Boxing Day in Britain. Right. And uh, St Stephen is the patron saint of horses, headaches, casket makers and Owensboro, Kentucky. <laughs> in that chronological order or...? Well, Kentucky was his favourite. Right. But he thought horses are popular. Let's get them out of the way first. Um, headaches, everyone can identify. Casket makers will come to everyone eventually. Right. Um, so uh, here we celebrate it on Boxing Day with um, a cold food sandwich. And uh, in a lot of places they celebrate with, um, with horse riding because it was the patron state of horses. Um, a lot of people get headaches for sacred reasons. But... <laughs> But in Wales, until the 19th century, the St. Stephen's Day custom was uh, to beat people with branches of holly. <laughs> but specifically, people who got up late and female servants. <laughs> right. <laughs> Mer- Merry Christmas. <laughs> well, I mean, how, how long did this tradition um, last in Wales? Well, I want to know why it stopped. Did they run out of holly? Right. Because the 19th century was a time when a lot of people still had uh, traditions that evolved uh, beatings and sexism. Right. Well, it's the and PC brigade, isn't it? Can't do anything these days. You can't even beat a female servant <laughs> with holly at Christmas. Um, Thank you, Brussels. What do they have against late risers as well? Boxing Day, a lot of people are hungover. Time now for the 2016 Bugle Christmas Quiz. And uh, Helen and I, we've got questions for each other and uh, you'll be able to answer them multiple choice questions okay uh, write your answers down on a bit of paper and if you get them all correct you win the right to join Santa's team of reindeer for next year's Christmas delivery you have to go at the back at the back so yep. there's going to be a lot of farting in your face next to Blitzen I think it's Blitz, who, who are the back pair in the, in the set up these days um, Steve and Dan <laughs> well, the, new, the new reindeer yeah Helen, here's my first question for you. According to the Gospel according to St. Luke, which of the following things did the flock-watching shepherds actually say? Was it A, are you sure that thing is a messiah because it's just done a really weird-looking dark green shit? Was it B, it's 30 shekels for the pure will blanket, take it or leave it, I can't go any lower, I've got my own kids to feed and it's Christmas and little Ephraim wants a new donkey. Was it C, 
Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. Was it D? Don't ask me where you can find a f***ing hospital, mate. I'm working. I'm on f***ing nights. I'm f***ing knackered and I can't see my f***ing flock properly because it's f***ing night time. Or was it E? Can you not do that under a poncho or something? I'm not comfortable with women breastfeeding in public. I know it's natural and that, but it's naught BC and I'm not ready for it. So what's your uh, what's your instinctive... E. You think E? Yeah, I think in those times, Yeah. definitely not progressive about breastfeeding. No. Although a lot of people uh, will tell you that there's no uh, naught BC, because I said it once and... Uh, yeah. Are people get get riled about that. It's important, isn't it? That yeah. is uh, one of the biggest problems we face today. But the problem is, I mean, what do you call? You can't. Do you call it one BC or minus minus one? When Again, he not... wasn't he wasn't born that year. Helen, sorry, Helen. partly because he's fictional, but also because <laughs> there wasn't a census that year, so it's more likely he was born in four BC or six AD. What, were babies only born in years with censuses? That's why they go to Bethlehem. Right. Because all the citizens were having to participate in a census. Oh, really? Otherwise she could have stayed at home in Nazareth and had the baby at home in the birthing pool that she'd set up. <laughs> could she not have done it online? Well, have the baby online? No, fill in the census form. Well, it was dial-up in those days, so... I mean, look, it cost if, a lot. if God has got her up the duff, he's going to pull a few strings, surely. No, I th- well, I mean, typical... Gets her pregnant and then just skips out on the aftercare. Anyway, Buglers, write your answer down. A, B, C, D or E. Do you have a question? Sure. Uh, At the Zaltzman household, which gift could you have expected to find in your Christmas stocking? A, vitamin pills. (laughs) B, a waste paper basket. Or C, a brick. (laughs) (laughs) Well, running back through my... uh... My catalogue of because I, I keep an online record of every single Christmas gift I've ever received. I'm just, uh, just check that out. Uh, oh yeah, I did get a lot of vitamin pills. I'm going. I'm instinctively, and without want to give the answer away, I would. I would think all of the above. Yeah, but not in the same year because we weren't spoiled. Right. Well, we've slightly given away the answer for that one. Uh, but anyway, keep writing it down because there's that big prize. Big prize we had. <laughs> I've got another. Uh, my my second question for you. Why might Rudolph not only have a red nose, but also a fear of gardening shears? Is it A, because he's had his nadgers lopped off? Was it B, because in 1946, in a reindeer team, Sean of Blitzen and Donner, the two German-origin uh, squad members, who were then in Nuremberg fighting a court case, uh, clipped a chimney, uh, Rudolph did, uh, taken off from a house in Wisconsin towards the end of the worldwide delivery run, crashed into a garden shed, took a pair of shears right in the shoulder at high speed. Was it C, because as a child, Santa Claus used to cut the grass that Rudolph was about to graze on with shears right in front of his face when Rudolph was just a young child reindeer. Uh, as a, although he would later credit Claus with uh, toughening him up to become the team-leading reindeer he is today, capable of leading the physically gruelling Christmas delivery run, he still has psychological scars to do uh, with shears. So A, A B or C. One of them was so long, I've forgotten the other ones. Right. Well, A, I mean, A, I mean, I'm going to give the answer. It was A, but had... write that down. Um, the uh, male reindeers lose their antlers in winter. So when that's you right. see Rudolph with antlers in all the Christmas pictures, that suggests he had his nuts lopped off with a pair oh, of garden shears. Oh, right. I mean, I, yeah. And but, when he, yeah. But then... 
because the the antlers weren't they um, a mating thing, um, so they could impress the ladies and also fight off the rival male reindeer. Yeah. And if he had been neutered, would he need to grow antlers at all? Well, I don't know, but if he's got antlers, he's had his balls chopped off. That's okay. all I know. I'm a scientist. Um, and uh, ask Attenborough. If I you, will. If you don't believe me. All right. Um, and he had a red nose because uh, apparently reindeers uh, are very prone to uh, uh, nasal infections because they have a lot of mucus folds. Really? Yeah. So he could have just been coming off a of cold. In which case, he shouldn't be working. Yeah, but you know, it's going to get post-viral syndrome. Well, he's on a zero-hours contract, isn't he? He's <laughs> not going to take the day off. Yeah. When you've got one big job a year, you you play through the pain. Well, he temps a lot the rest of the year. What does he do? Temping? Data entry. Really? Yeah. Is that why we eat dates at Christmas? <laughs> yes. Yes, Good. Andy. Do you have another question for us? I do. I do. Um, Britain's Queen of Christmas is Delia Smith, whose key to a successful Christmas dinner is meticulous preparation. <laughs> Andy, to be sure your turkey is ready on time, when does Delia say you should put it in the oven? A. Christmas Eve. B. Last Christmas, just after you took that turkey out. Or C, when Mary, Mother of God's contractions are four minutes apart. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) So you put the turkey in the oven as the bun in the oven is about to come out, essentially. Yeah, 2,000 years ago. Right. I don't think it's that one. I think Delia, she likes a slow cook and you want to make sure that turkey is ready. So I'm going to... I think, yeah, What you have your, your, your traditional Christmas turkey oven... Yep. And you cook the turkey for a for a year. Yeah, and then it's definitely ready. It's definitely ready. And uh, then you've got the whole year to prepare and write your lists. Yeah. There you go. Check them more than twice because twice is for slackers. So she said well, she says Christmas Eve. Uh, or I'm clearly I mean you brought a lot of bullshit to this quiz, Helen. I thought that's, that's what the, you wanted for Christmas. This, that is not what this show is about. <laughs> I'm sorry to bring uh, its name into uh, Bullshit's Trough. Right. Uh, Bullshit's Trough, incidentally, was uh, the name of Ebenezer Scrooge in the first draft of uh, (laughs) Christmas Carol. Here's my next question for you. Who or what is or was birthday of the unconquerable son? Was it A, a 1970s prog rock album by the influential British group Venus Cheesehammer, (laughs) co-performed with the US outfit The Fallopian Popes, was the platinum-selling follow-up to uh, Venus Cheesehammer's uh, debut album, Love Arrows from the Quiver of Thor. The uh, re- record, Birthday of the Unconquerable Sun, was uh, favourably compared to their great rivals, the Electricity Trouser, who'd hit number one that year with vomit stains on Satan's carpet. Was it B, Birthday of the Unconquerable Sun, was the Roman midwinter festival that was a forerunner of Christmas, celebrating the sun god Sol Invictus? Was it C, a code name for a World War II black ops op, in which undercover Allied agents would shine incredibly bright giant torches through Hitler's bedroom window to disrupt his sleeping patterns. Was it D, the kennel club name of Britney Spears' pet <laughs> chihuahua bit pit, officially known as Birthday of the Unconquerable Son? Or was it E, the initial title of the hit children's book by Roger Hargreaves, Mr Happy? <laughs> I think D, definitely D. D. Every Britney fan knows. Once again, it is all of the above. <laughs> Possibly with a slight emphasis on B. You know, uh, when you're telling a lie, Andy, you have to stop at some point. uh, Otherwise, people (laughs) stop. You just give yourself away. Don't say that. How can you say that at Christmas? I mean, that's been going for over 2,000 years now. No one wants to stop it. 
<laughs> to say to say it's a lie is like to say any novel you've ever read. They're all lies. They're not <laughs> lies. It's just it's just. Look, this is how we ended up in this post-fact universe, Chris. People like you. <laughs> uh, I have one more question for you, Andy. Yep. Uh, what does the inn where Jesus was born score on TripAdvisor? <laughs> <laughs> Characterful, shabby, chic accommodation in a converted stable. Five stars. <laughs> Frankincense in the minibar makes a change from Pringles. Four stars. <laughs> Shepherds stop by with their sheep. Luckily, the place is pet friendly. Three stars. <laughs> The cattle are lowing. The baby awakes. Bad night's sleep. Two stars. <laughs> they lost our reservation. No room at the inn. One star. Oh. I, I reckon two two stars. I mean, you don't want lowing cattle in a... You don't. I mean, does the listing <laughs> say there were farm animals? I mean, in an inn, you don't, you don't really expect it to be a full-functioning farm as well. Yeah, but then for some people, that would be a bonus, something for the kids. Right, one of these like experience holidays yeah. where you go and know what it's like to live on a farm. It's like some people will love that a pub has an adventure playground in the back. Other people think day drinking is only for the over 40s. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, well, if it's a choice between an adventure playground and a manger, uh, I would take an adventure playground any, any day of the week. Yeah, they could have wrapped Jesus in swaddling clothes and laid him on the scramble net. Yes, testify. Finally, I have one more question. Oh, two more questions for you. Okay. Uh, which of the following Christmas facts is least false? Oh, God. <laughs> None of the above. A. The renowned Spanish bank Santander was set up by Santa Claus in Spain in 1857. <laughs> he created the Banco Santander alongside Rudolph and the other reindeers as co-directors to give his fans to save money through the year to spend at Christmas. B. Uh, the tradition of the Christmas cracker Evolved from the legendary octopus-like sea monster, the Kraken. <laughs> a beached Kraken washed up on the shore of Norfolk in England on Christmas Day 1532. The local army battalion attempted to dispose of it by blowing it up with explosive, and as the bang went off, the creature's guts blasted open to reveal the remnants of a half-digested crown, thought to be that of the lost Germanic prince Ulfric, uh, and all that was left of which was the brightly coloured paper lining. Uh, as well as a set of now unusable playing cards and some tiny screwdrivers shrunk by the beast's stomach acids, plus what was assumed to be cryptic espionage messages, uh, but which later turned out to be just terrible puns. Uh, that's the original, the Christmas Kraken, uh, hence later conflated the Kraken. Uh, C, most Christmas trees are in fact not Christian. Only 24% of all Christmas trees worldwide believe Jesus was the Son of God. 6% are Jewish, 31% of Christmas trees are Hindu, interestingly, and 13% of Christmas trees describe themselves as non-religious spiritual. Uh, most of the rest are practising pagans. D, in Poland, spiders or spider's webs are common Christmas tree decorations because, according to legend, a spider wove a blanket for baby Jesus. This legend is supported by the controversial and as yet unrecognised fifth gospel according to St Alvin, which reads in chapter 4, verse 3, and lo, Mary did suddenly sit bolt upright, and she did scream, Ah, get that f***ing thing off my baby! Get it off my baby! And Joseph would say, Chill out, Maz, it's just a daddy long legs. Um, our mum used to use Christmas decorations to cover up the spider's webs in the house. <laughs> so which is least false, that lot? I think the spider webs one is least false. Yeah, that's actually true. That's actually 100%. Least false? 100%. 100% unfalse. <laughs> that's a first for you, isn't it? Congratulations. Place. Yeah, thanks. Uh, also, well, most Christmas trees are not Christian. That, that's also true. 
Um, Although some of the detail on that was maybe not factually verifiable. I think most of them are just um, agnostic. Yeah. They, they think Richard Dawkins takes it too far. <laughs> uh, and uh, they're hedging their bets just to, you know, just in case there is an afterlife. Yeah. I've got one more question for you. Okay, great. What do Jesus Christ, the renowned Christian Messiah and Christmas legend, and England cricket captain Alistair Cook have in common? Was it A, they both have their birthdays on Christmas Day? Well, Jesus doesn't, so... B, they're both associated with long, thin, rectangular bits of wood. <laughs> C, they both had run-ins with teammates, Christ with Judas Iscariot and Cook with his former batting partner, Kevin Peterson. Oh, yeah, that one. No doubt. I'd say all three again. All of the above. But anyway, Buglers, uh, send in your uh, answers on a piece of parchment and we'll uh, put them in the bin for you. Mine are A A A A A A H H H exclamation mark. Do you need us to call someone, Chris? <laughs> I'm really nervous about Christmas. Oh, why? I always get really nervous about Christmas two days before Christmas. Why? It's just so much I still haven't done. Well, in life? <laughs> yes. You're like, it's Christmas and it all ends here. You know, it's like everyone wants the perfect Christmas, don't they? I've got a drive on Boxing Day. Well, well, are you willing to accept seven out of ten then? Yeah. Then stop worrying. Christmas feature section now. Last minute Christmas shopping. Now, obviously... Uh, most of you will probably have done your Christmas shopping by buying tickets for my Christmas show at Soho Theatre from the 20th of December, which is now passed by the time this is released, until the 7th of January, or my UK tour, or even my Melbourne Festival show, which isn't on sale yet. And you have a but DVD we'll be... out. Oh, yeah, thanks for that, Helen. How many copies have you got to get rid of that? I've uh, got a, a couple of thousand in a box at home. You do, and uh, it's two years old, so yeah. it was from a more innocent time It was. In the well, news. it's become an interesting historical document. My yeah. DVD it has just come out in time to slightly miss the Christmas rush. Uh, available at gofasterstripe.com. But people are nostalgic at Christmas, so yep. maybe they're thinking, oh, the uh, Cameron Clegg Coalition. Innocent Go back times. to those, those days of snowflakes and... Yeah, it was recorded Singing. in Cardiff in December 2014 and is just out for um, reasons of uh, personal disorganisation. But anyway, it's available, gofasterstripe.com. Anyway, if you've not bought either tickets to my show or my DVD, uh, here is our official Bugle last-minute Christmas presents guide and gift catalogue. Including, uh, well, I mean, this, I've got one here, uh, this lovely item here, Helen. This is a canister of air from the year 2015. Uh, Why not breathe some pure air from a pre-Brexit, pre-Trump world? Uh, this nostalgic canister of air from 2015 could be just the thing you're looking for to cheer yourself up as we enter a world that cannot possibly be f***ing mental as 2016. Also, why not... Uh, a lot of people get subscriptions uh, for Christmas now. And, uh, yeah, subscription coffee, subscription wine. Um, why not try a subscription auntie? Uh, or uncle, are you bored of having the same old extended family year after year? How about livening things up for yourself and your spouse and offsprings with a different aunt or uncle every month in 12 instalments? A new temper aunt and intervuncle from Family Freshener's range of certified and safety screened interim relations could brighten up those repetitious family gatherings or even just a basic dull weekend in with the kids. Uh, and a Bugle exclusive promotion. Uh, just uh, $11,995 for the year subscription. Uh, that's under $1,000 a month, just. Uh, relatives must be fed at the purchaser's expense. 
If that doesn't take your fancy, then we can offer you the Sign Your Own Treaty Kits. Uh, this is a great present for people who uh, like uh, you know, international deals. Are you bored of waiting for politicians to get their asses in gear and make major international agreements? Then try the Negotiatics DIY Treaty Kit. Choose from four different 40-card diplomacy packs, peace deal, trade agreement, commercial protocol, or ethical convention. You and the person, country, trade block, or terror group you're dealing with simply choose seven demand cards each from each pack of uh, from the pack of 40, which deal with everything from land borders, import tariffs, and religious freedoms to financial reparations, extradition agreements, and the legal, legal allowable length of carrots. Uh, you then each choose to reject two of your opponent's demand cards out of hand and negotiate until you agree on two each of your own demands also to jettison. The remaining six cards are placed face down. Each party randomly selects one more demand to be excluded from the treaty, and the anger of the two parties involved then chooses another card at random from the pack to add to the final deal. The five cards in the deal are then scanned into the accompanying Negotiatics automatic small print generator to fill in all the troublesome minutiae that can take years for civil servants and policy wonks to haggle into being. Hey presto, your international treaty in under 20 minutes. The ideal gift but a special someone in your life who is also a high-ranking political or diplomatic official. Google Christmas Q&A now. Some of you have sent in Twitter queries uh, to us via Twitter um, about about Christmas, um, or indeed other things. Simon Claude asks, uh, what day will the world end next year? I'd like to budget accordingly. Uh, well, that is that'll be a good thing about knowing when Armageddon's going to happen. Just the absolute mayhem of people going on s- sprees of various kinds. It's going to be like one on. huge golf sale, isn't it? <laughs> That's in the Book of Revelations, isn't it? <laughs> there will be something re- resembling an enormous global golf sale. I think uh, the world won't end next year because uh, it wants to string out the misery right. a little longer. So is that comfort or the opposite of that? Anyway, uh, spend all your money on a bunker. A bunker? Yeah, invest in your future. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and tinned food and gaffer tape. <laughs> Jose McFisto asks, which of you two is greater at celebrating Christmas in the fashion least befitting your Jewish heritage? Well, uh, I, I've already given Andy his Christmas present, which is a leg of Spanish ham. So I think that makes us equal, doesn't it? Yeah, that is. Yeah, I mean that's. Yeah, if we could get disinherited any more than than already, that's that would happen. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, but I, I, no, I, I don't see that as. I, I see that as building bridges, as trying to understand meat bridges. How how, how other people live by eating mm. high quality Spanish ham for a couple of months. It's good of you, Andy. Yeah, I'm a hero. Try and keep multiculturalism going with pork. Also, Jose or Jose asks, does Helen have any advice for the people of Slovakia this Christmas? Um, well, I hope that the people of Slovakia are going to be uh, generous and inclusive of people of different cultures and faiths because um, this month Slovakia passed legislation to stop Islam being recognised as an official religion and they're not allowed to have any mosques. Um, there are, I think, 2,000 Muslims in Slovakia at the moment. And um, the uh, chairman of the Slovak National Party uh, said, Islamization starts with a kebab. <laughs> and we, wow. we all know where kebabs lead to, Andy. <laughs> Bit of indigestion overnight. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of indigestion overnight and full Sharia law. Yeah. 
evidently. Yeah, so we must do everything we can so that no mosque is built in the future. Right. Which uh, I think is uh, a bit of a logical leap. Uh, well, that's what politics is all about these days. I think Slovakia needs to accept the kebabs and the multi-faith. Right. In that order? See how the kebab goes. <laughs> kebab is what gateway multiculturalism. Well, apparently it's either gateway multiculturalism or gateway radicalism. Right. Maybe they should just get rid of kebabs and let the Muslims have their mosque. Um, that's an interesting compromise. No. <laughs> no. Don't get rid of kebabs. I, I'm sitting here thinking how much I love a chicken kebab and wondering if it makes me sheer or sunny. <laughs> Oh, we need to check that on Wikipedia, actually. I'm not an expert. This question, Helen, came from uh, Chris Grigg, who asks, is nepotism becoming a problem in podcasting? Who pods the podcasters? What does that even mean, who pods the podcasters? I don't know. Things don't have to mean what they th- think they mean anymore. I think it should mean more than nothing. Right. Yeah. Oh, you're a Dismiss that question. <laughs> podcast means podcast. Right. That's pretty much the case. Like, so... It's another portmanteau words that a lot of people find objectionable. What, podcast? Yeah. You're, you're obsessed with portmanteau words. You mentioned them last time you were on the show, didn't you? Portmanteau Well, they've defined our year, Andy. And our industry. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of your Bugle 2016 Christmas special. Uh, Helen, by the time uh, this is published, you will be across the Atlantic. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to do, attempt to cure America of 2016? I think I've got a good chance. Right. Um, or I reckon uh, maybe I can inveigle my way into the cabinet. In- inveigle? Yeah. That's a good, that's a lovely word, isn't it? Treat yourself. It's inveigling. Right. I mean, Trump does seem like the man who can be inveigled. Can you inveigle someone? Is that, I mean... You can now. That's the that's the world we've, we've landed in now. Right. You can inveigle your way into someone. Right. Or, or a very important uh, political role. <laughs> That's essentially what he did. He inveigled himself. Yeah, or he was inveigled by uh, foreign forces. Oh. Oh. Yes. Yeah. We talked about that last week. Well, it's all the rage well, to talk about that. By last week, what I mean is about an hour ago as I record this. <laughs> oh, you're really ruining the mystery. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, showbiz. What are you doing for Christmas, Andy? Uh, well, sport on? Uh, there'll, be, um, there'll be some some sport, I imagine. The second test between Australia and Pakistan will be beginning at midnight on uh, Christmas Day, our time. So no doubt I'll sit up with uh, with our parents and my children and we'll all watch um, Pakistan be disappointingly inept in Australian conditions. I'm sorry you won't be there to join us. Just like the first Christmas. Yeah. Anyway, Buglers, uh, we have a week off next week between Christmas and New Year. Chris, we could all put something out. In that, can we put something out in that week? Yeah, yeah. shall I? Why not? <laughs> uh, Right, well, have a great Christmas in America, Helen. Do they uh, do they celebrate Christmas in America? I forget. I know it's in films and stuff. It seems it seems popular. Right. In the in the films and in the shops. Right. Uh, enjoy your Christmas dinner. Thanks, Andy. Enjoy we- yours. Yeah, we'll be uh, eating a bit of cow, I think. Oh, really? Which bit? Uh, meaty it's, bit. It's big, sad eyes. It's not its head or tail. Bit for me. What's wrong with the tail? Which is not for snob? Christmas. Six people to feed. Anyway, um, you can nibble it like a corn cob together. Thank you for listening, Buglers. There will be a show next week. Um, what it is, I'm not prepared to say at this stage. But it's there a will surprise. Be a sub bugle to take you through to New Year, uh, and I'll be back early in January 
uh, with Hari Kondabolu, then Nish Kumar, then Anuvad Pal, and then Helen will be back as well. Really? End of January or beginning of February. Uh, thanks for listening this year uh, it's been great fun to be back and uh, have an absolutely sensational Christmas and I'll see you all at the Soho Theatre 20th to the 23rd of December <laughs> well that's gone uh, 28th to the 30th uh, that, that's still, that still come up if you download this in time and uh, 3rd to the 7th of January bye bye Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.